Mark chapter 4, together at verse 21. This is God's word. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a blanket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what, shall we, uh, what, what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. This is really a follow-on from last week. We could probably say that every week at Foundation Church is a follow-on from last week. So the way we do it here, we go through uh, particular passages of Scripture most often, and we, and, we, and we go through bit by bit, next day, next day, next day, and uh, we work our way through, uh, for, for example, a gospel. So it kind of is no surprise then that we're, we're, we're kind of connected to last week um, in more ways than one. Last week we saw uh, that Jesus gave what he described as the parable of parables. You know, he said, if you understand this parable... Uh, the parable of the sower, then you'll understand the rest of the parables. He says that in chapter 4, verse 13. If you get this, you'll get the rest. This is the key that unlocks my teaching. And so we saw that the, uh, uh, the teaching that Jesus brings in and through his parables is all about the kingdom of God. It's about the seed going out. It's about people hearing uh, the message of the kingdom and about how they can enter it and how the kingdom of God functions and how it works. If you're unfamiliar with this term, the kingdom of God is very prominent in the teaching of Jesus. Uh, it refers to uh, the realm of God's presence, his special presence among his people, his reign, uh, where hearts and minds are surrendered to uh, God himself, loving him and being loved by him. It's about being in the blessing of God. It's about experiencing wholeness in your life. That's uh, some of the ideas summed up in this wonderful concept of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, I've come to bring the kingdom of God to you. In me, it's near you. And I've come to show you how you may enter it, how you may accept it. And, and when you do accept it, we saw this last week, um, if you take that seed into your heart in the very deepest part of your being and allow it to do its work, it will grow in you. It will bring life. Life will erupt within you. Uh, that seed uh, will grow and you will be fruitful. You will produce abundant fruit. We saw that last week. But we also saw with the teaching of Jesus, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword for, for many people. Uh, not just at Jesus' time, but here today as well. Uh, it, people respond in different ways to, to Jesus' teaching. And quite simply, Jesus' uh, teaching is like a, a door to some people, opening the kingdom of God. And it's like a barrier to other people, shutting the kingdom of God. Jesus opens it and he closes it. 
And as we saw last week, Jesus is very careful, very selective about who he opens the kingdom of God to in his ministry. He discloses the secrets of the kingdom of God to those who are near him, who love him, who want him, who are hungry for what he's teaching. But to those who have no interest or those who get consumed by the things in the world, Jesus' teaching is just weird. It just, they just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to them. It doesn't do anything in their hearts. And so they, they reject it. But it's the same teaching. Bit of, a, bit of an overview. If you, if you missed last week, can I encourage you to go back online? You can listen uh, to, to the podcast. Anyway, so what we're seeing then today is a, is a development of and an opening up of this idea of the kingdom of God and how it, how it comes, some sort of uh, um, depth, depth of those key themes that we've already started to think about over the last few weeks. But most importantly... What Jesus is teaching here is about how you get into the kingdom. What is it? How does it look and how do you get into it? These are the kind of things that Jesus is teaching. So we're going to see this morning, under these three headings, we're going to see, first of all, uh, that the kingdom of God is revealed through hearing. Secondly, we're going to see the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. And thirdly, we're going to see the kingdom of God advances with power. First of all, then, the kingdom of God is revealed through hearing. And we see, we see this in verses 21 through to 25. Uh, the, the metaphor shifts a little bit. Jesus has been talking about sowing and, and, and the seed of the kingdom and all that. And, and the metaphor shifts a little bit. And he says, look, does anyone in their, in their right mind, does anyone bring a lamp, you know, light a lamp, put on a light, whatever, in their house and then cover it up? Do they put a basket over it or do they hide it under the bed? Of course they don't, says Jesus. That's not how this works. What you do is you put it up on a stand. You put it where everybody in the house can, can benefit from that light. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, somewhat confusingly or unusually, for he says, nothing um, is uh, hidden except to be made manifest or to be revealed. Uh, nothing is kept secret except to come to light. He, he, he's saying here, I'm the light. My teaching is light. Uh, light was a familiar um, uh, concept, I suppose. Uh, those in the, the uh, Old Testament or those you know, Old Testament believers would have considered the Torah, the teaching of God, to be light. God himself was considered to be light. These are some of the metaphors used. And Jesus is saying here, uh, when, when light comes, you don't, you don't hide it up, you don't cover it over. Uh, you bring it out so everybody can see it, everybody uh, can enjoy it. And, and, and that's what I've come to do, he says. I've come to reveal, I've come to be light, I've come to open uh, and invite you in. Um, but I, I, I find often, if I, uh, I'm reading these things, maybe I'm just a little tired or busy or doing something else, I find Jesus' words here um, kind of evasive, kind of perplexing, um, maybe even a little obscure. Why, do, why, why doesn't he not just speak clearer? Why, why these riddles? Um, why does he make us work hard to try and understand what he's saying? Why the parables? Well, we saw this question perhaps being asked last week. Um, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll review that very briefly. But we saw in verses 10 through 12 of chapter 4, uh, during the, 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 the parable of the sower, that, that um, the kingdom of God is revealed to some people by Jesus and through his teaching, and, and yet it's hidden to others. And as we saw last week, it depends on your 
relationship to Jesus depends on your proximity to him. Uh, how near you are to Jesus will, will help you to understand or not understand the teaching of Jesus. And as we saw last week, to those who want him, who are hungry for what he offers, um, to, who want to know Jesus, then it's theirs, right? The, the light, they'll stand in the light, so to speak. Um, when they're close to Jesus, they'll see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will, will break upon them. Um, we can think of it like this. Maybe, maybe uh, when you were younger, you learnt how to swim. Maybe you never learnt how to swim when you are grown up and you'd like to learn. Um, but I, I went through swimming lessons um, as a young boy. I uh, probably started age five or something like that and maybe a bit older as I went and got my badges and all that. Um, but when you're learning how to swim, rather like any activity at all, you can, you can choose to read books on swimming. Uh, you can study the technique of the great swimmers of the Olympics. Um, you can watch them on YouTube. And uh, you can even talk like a swimmer and learn the lingo. But we all know, don't we, that you can't learn to swim unless you get wet, unless you hop in the water and have a go. And, and, in, and in the same way, you can't access the kingdom of God unless you come to Jesus, unless you draw near to him, unless you listen to him, unless you earnestly open your ears to listen to what he's saying and allow it to travel deep within you. That's the way that you access the kingdom of God. And that's why he says in verses 24 and 25, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention. Listen up, in other words. Because, he says, with the measure that you use in your listening, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. What a great promise. But he says, to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If you listen, if you actually listen, says Jesus, then you will hear, then you will know, then you will be able to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, in our, maybe in our modern language, if you invest time in listening, if you invest energy in listening, if you concentrate and give yourself devoted time to listening to Jesus' words, his good news, then the kingdom of God will be revealed to you. That is a promise from Scripture. And, and when that happens... You will grow, and you will bear fruit, says Jesus. We saw that last time. It is inevitable. But, he says here, but, if you flirt with the word of God, if you, if you treat it passively, like just kind of floats over the top of you, and you absorb it by osmosis, if, you, if you're just casual or lax with the word of God, the good news of the kingdom, then Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. Because he says that the insight that you may have, the teaching you may have received as a young child growing up in church, the revelation that he may have given you at some point, if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, says Jesus, that will be taken from you. What a warning. 
Do you remember the first three kinds of soil that we saw, the first three scenarios we saw last week in the parable of the sower? Various responses, various depths of acceptance, I suppose, but ultimately, they all withered away. And there was no life, there was no substance. Pay careful attention. And so it doesn't take us much work, does it, to to get to uh, an application about how this might affect us as the community on mission, right, as God's people. Are you paying attention to God's word? Are you paying attention to God's word? Yes, now in this sermon, of course, amen, praise God. But, but in general, are you paying attention to God's word? Is it, is it a big deal to you? Are you listening intently to God's word? Are you, are you listening carefully to God's word, the gospel of the kingdom? Is this something you are listening to? Or maybe let's, let's ask it from a slightly different angle. What are you filling your ears with every day? Moment by moment, what are you filling your ears with? What has the loudest voice in your mind day by day? This is so important. This is so important. Because our access, according to Jesus, our access, our grasp of the kingdom of God depends on how you're listening. And so he says, look, we have to be actively engaged in listening to God's word. It's not just going to drop in you one day and then you wake up fruitful and growing. I'm not going to make any apologies this morning. Sometimes I feel that when I'm encouraging you to read your Bibles and pray every day if you want to grow, I kind of hold back because we're busy people, right? We've got jobs, we've got families, we've got relationships, we've got situations going on outside of our control. And so I hold back and I often feel like I'm saying, if you get time, then maybe you just want to try, you know, just for five minutes, reading the Bible once a year. But not, not today. Not on the basis of this message. Because if we're going to take Jesus' words at face value and there's no good reason not to, then this is serious. This is a question of whether you are in the kingdom of God or whether you're outside the kingdom of God. It is that simple. It is a life and death issue. And we cannot be passive about this as God's people. We can't just sit around and expect to absorb something. So my challenge to you, it's kind of low-hanging fruit, but it's there. My challenge to you is is, is take up your Bibles. Are, Are you taking up your Bibles regularly through the week, opening them, reading them, reflecting on what you're reading and praying it through. These are, these are words of life here. To many of us, this is a boring, dry, inaccessible book. Ancients may be interesting in certain parts, but we struggle with it, and that's the truth. We, we do, but Jesus' words are inescapable. No excuses. We cannot survive without the words of life. And of course, on the back of that then, are you coming regularly to church? Are you, are you engaging with God's word? Are you, are you sitting in a place where you're hearing God's word read, God's word explained, and God's word forming community? If we're going to grow, folks, and we're going to receive the benefits of this new life in the kingdom that he's talking about, we've got to pay attention to the word of God. 
James writes, James 4.8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He sees what you are doing and he blesses what you are doing. Jesus says that. The one who has more will be given. Amen. But he who does not have what he does have will wither away. If there's no drive in your hearts to know God and receive uh, his word, there's no desire in you, then you will wither away. It's what he says. I'm not making this up. How do, we, how do we draw near to God? How do we actually read the Bible? There's books written on this topic, but what I would advise you, if you're not doing anything at all, just carry on in the Gospel of Mark that we're in now. Read a paragraph a day. You know, we're talking five or six verses. The paragraphs are quite short in the Gospel of Mark. Read a paragraph every day. Read it again. Think about what it's saying. And then pray to God based on what you've just been learning. Do that every day, folks. Sow that seed. Invest in your lives and you will start to bear fruit. Maybe you're very familiar with Mark. Praise God. Try the book of James in the New Testament. Try the book of 1 John in the New Testament. Really um, good, nourishing, wonderful, challenging, life-giving reading. A paragraph a day so that you may come into the kingdom and bear fruit. Is that not worth it? We, we, we run here at uh, Foundation CBR groups, community Bible reading groups, if you find reading the Bible on your own um, a challenge. And we have a number of little groups where we read Bible passages together, set Bible passages. We share little insights every day just to encourage each other. We're not there to judge or condemn, oh, you've missed your readings, you know, you need to spend five weeks catching up. None of that. Just daily Bible reading where we can encourage each other, sharing an insight and just encouraging uh, through, through, it's all free text. If you would like to join one of those CBR groups, then please come and chat to me or even, well, Jacob, Rachel, Marion, we're, we're all doing them. Um, we'd love to have you if you're not in one of those already. Um, please come and chat to us. If you've got kids, read the Bible with your kids. Pray with your kids. Okay? It doesn't have to be uh, some deep theology, but just read some of the stories of Jesus and, and, and lead them through what it looks like to read and pray. It doesn't matter if you feel like your Bible knowledge sucks or you're rubbish or it just feels awkward. Honestly, your kids will love it, and uh, it will be good for your soul. We're a community on mission, folks, so let's consider, um, as the Scripture says, how to build one another up. And so when we're together, when we're engaging, when we're fellowshipping, doing community, doing doing life. Let's enjoy each other, but let's also ask, how are you doing with your scripture reading? What are the challenges? What are you learning? How are you struggling? Let me help you. Let's get alongside each other and be a community formed around God's word. So first of all, the kingdom of God is revealed through hearing, number one. Secondly, then, the kingdom of God oh, is cultivated by God. This is in verses 26 to 29. I love this parable. I love it. I need it. Thank God for this parable. Uh, the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. Uh, the sea, the, the, the man, this is the man in verse 26. This is like the kingdom of God, says Jesus. Uh, someone's going out, uh, scattering the seed on the ground. Job done. 
Uh, he scatters the seed on the ground, he says. Then he goes home. He rests. Uh, puts his feet up. He sleeps. He rises night and day, day after day. And what happens? He gets on with his business, but it says here that the, in 27, the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Praise God. It says the earth by itself produces first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Amazing. And then the man just sort of waits until the harvest comes, and then he lifts his sickle, you know, the big uh, sharp blade that they would use to, to, to chop down the harvest and to gather in the grain, and off he goes. But the bit in between, he's had nothing to do with. And this is the kingdom of God. This is how it works, according to Jesus. See, this growth of the kingdom of God, this development of the kingdom of God, there's another power at work here. And it's not a human power. It's clear from here, the sower or the farmer, whoever he is, he's not hovering over the seeds. He's not fussing over them. He's not somehow summoning them up with magic or some, you know, some process that he must go to, to get the growth going. It happens without him. Because the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. It is divine power that causes this to grow. And it grows, as we see here, steadily. It grows progressively. It grows inevitably. The kingdom of God is cultivated by God. And this is so utterly contrary, isn't it, to the rest of life, particularly for us who, who, who live and are influenced so heavily by our Western um, cultural assumptions uh, human effort in our society gets us places. It just does. And, and, and let's face it, some really wonderful things have happened because people have adopted this, this mentality. Uh, very, very recently and very topically, of course, uh, the response to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the response has been scientific, has it not? Uh, huge amounts of hours have been spent researching, analyzing, uh, poring over the virus itself in the laboratory, uh, but not just that, the data studies, the epidemiology, all these uh, learned individuals, all the technologies that have been used, new technologies developed in order to get vaccines and all this sort of stuff. And we can think to ourselves as humanity, yes, we've cracked it. Mm. If it wasn't for us, you know, we'd all be dead. That's how we think, isn't it? And we can apply this kind of attitude to, to, to so many issues and problems. You, you may have seen on the adverts for um, the, the German car manufacturer Audi, this German phrase, Vorsprung durch Technik. You've heard it, I'm sure you've heard it. Do you know what it means? It means progress through technology. It's the assumption that the, the more advanced our technology and, and the cleverer we are and the better we are, with our tech and our learning and all that, the more progressive we will be as a people, the more enlightened, the higher we will get, the better we will be. It's wired into our society, is it not? But not so in the kingdom of God. Not so in the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is cultivated by God, not by us and our cleverness and our Vorsprung durch technique. No, something other has entered the world here, something alien, something other than our own experiences, 
something is breaking through. That's how the kingdom is often described, is breaking through, is breaking in. Two implications then to this truth of the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. Two implications. First implication is this. I think it stands to reason. I think it's obvious. I'm highlighting it anyway. Growth of the kingdom of God does not depend on us. Growth of the kingdom of God does not depend on us. Maybe that comes as a surprise to you. But the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. Therefore, we can rest. We can be freed from the anxiety or the burden of thinking that it's all on us, that it rests on us, that, that, that eternities hang in the balance. And if we don't do something, then yes, they are in the balance, of course. Yes, we have a role. We'll look at that in a minute. But God causes the growth. And this is something that I need encouragement, I need reminding of constantly. Um, you know, in my teaching and in my preaching, I'm always analyzing, I'm always listening to my, I'm always thinking, how can I improve? What, 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 have people heard the gospel? Well, if I was listening, how would I feel? I'm always thinking like that. And when I feel like I've knocked one out of the park, you know, when I've scored a hat trick, I'm like, yes, that felt good. Nailed it. The kingdom of God has come. Amen. And Marion will testify to this when it goes the other way. And I'm like, oh man, that sucked. That was like, that was like pushing tree kill up, uphill. That was awful. I'm on, I'm on the grounds, metaphorically speaking. Oh God, this is awful. And people haven't heard the gospel. I've, I was too, too much information, not enough information. But the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. In those moments where I'm either high as a kite or on the bottom of the ocean, I've bought into a lie that it's all on me. And maybe you feel like that too as you earnestly try and share the gospel with your friends and your family and your neighbors. You just think, oh man, I've screwed that up. Mm, that's awful. And you're flat as a pancake. But the growth of the kingdom of God does not depend on us, does not depend on me, does not depend on you. It depends on God. So we can rest easy. When you have sown the seed, when God's word has been proclaimed faithfully as it is, then rest and wait. There's a great quote I'm going to read to you here uh, from Martin Luther. He was a, a Catholic German monk in the 16th century. It's not often we quote Catholic German monks in Foundation Church, but this one's pretty special. Um, he, he, it, despite his great learnedness, and uh, you know, he was a professor of theology, would you believe, at the time. He, he, he thought that it was impossible to be accepted before a holy God. He, he, he realized that you know, there's no amount of work I'm going to do to be accepted before a God is too holy and I'm too sinful, even if I'm trying hard. But one day Luther heard the gospel. He realized that, no, 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 you're not accepted because of your good works, Martin Luther. You're accepted because of Jesus' good works. And it's on the basis of that that God looks favorably upon you and saves you and brings you into his kingdom. And when Luther realized this, it opened up to him the kingdom of God and he devoted his entire life to teaching the gospel of Jesus and correcting what he saw, the errors within the church, trying to tackle it, to realign its teaching so that the kingdom of God may be open and accessible to every man, woman, and child. 
not obscured. Quite a job he had, and yet he realized that the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. This is the quote. He said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word, otherwise I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no priest or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. Listen, I did nothing, the word did everything. These are are the words of someone who has understood that the kingdom of God is cultivated by God. First implication. Therefore we rest. Secondly, though, just because the kingdom of God is cultivated by God does not mean that we should be passive or lazy or inactive. No, no, no. We've seen this already. A few weeks ago, Jesus calls his disciples to him. He, he, he names 12 of them apostles, and he, he says that he wants to teach them and train them so that they might go out and preach the kingdom and heal the sick and cast out demons. Right? That's what he wanted his disciples to do, to go and show and tell the kingdom of God. And the, the, the other gospel writer, Luke, later on, shows that almost with the exact same words, Jesus then selected 72 others later on in his ministry and sent them out to go and show and tell the kingdom and preach and heal and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And, and we saw the early church doing the same thing as well as it goes on through the book of Acts. All of this is sowing the seeds of the kingdom, preaching the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom. But just because God is cultivating the kingdom, it's all in his hands, doesn't mean we're lazy. It means we are passionate in our sowing of the seed. It means we sow more seeds because he causes the growth. It means that it drives us out with more boldness because we know we're never going to screw up. More faith, more zeal, rather than this crippling fear of messing up or thinking we'll say the wrong thing or being paralyzed by perfectionism, when we know that God cultivates the kingdom of God, we know that we simply cannot fail in our mission. We cannot fail. We know not everyone will respond the way we would like them to. We saw that last week. Some will hear in the message, we'll just ding off their ears. But the growth is of God. And therefore we sow. One of the hardest working, impactful, influential individuals aside from Jesus was the Apostle Paul. And he got this. He knew this. He said, I planted, another teacher, Apollos, watered, but God gave the growth. And so we sow. Kingdom of God is cultivated by God. And thirdly and finally, the kingdom of God advances in power. This also is really encouraging. Okay, the first part was challenging. Second part, oh, we need that in our hearts. This one here, super encouraging. Another kingdom of God teaching coming in a block, right? Verses 30 to the end of our reading. And here, we're not talking about the sowing so much. We're not talking about the growth so much. We're talking about the size of the seed that goes in. And Jesus is like, how can I I show you or teach to you the kingdom of God even further? What other parable can I use? He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. 
tiny little seed, insignificant looking little thing that you may not even know you've stepped on. It's so small. It looks like a piece of dust. It looks kind of dead and brown and, you know, nothing much to it at all. But he says, when that thing goes into the ground and it sows, it's sown and grown up in verse 32, it says, it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. So even the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. This tiny little insignificant beginning and yet this huge exponential growth, this remarkable, impressive prominence. Who thought? Who would have thought? That's the kingdom of God, says Jesus. That's how it goes. This teaching of mine, this message of mine, it's so small to many of you, it's so insignificant. It sounds so powerless, so pathetic. And yet, when that hits the good stuff, the soil, you see that in that tiny little seeds great power great life even something that can bring shelter to others there's a famous um, illustration by a preacher from early in the last century his name was g campbell morgan and he was a preacher at um, uh, westminster chapel in london and uh, when he was commenting on this passage about the, the mustard seed. He said, you know, in, it, in Italy, you can go and visit a, a tomb, a certain tomb, and um, on top of the tomb is this enormous block of granite. Huge thing, several tons. And it was bought in because the man who is now buried underneath the thing in the grave uh, wanted it there. And he, he, he wanted it there because he said, look, there's no such thing as resurrection, but if there is, I want this granite on top because I don't want to rise. That's, that's why I had it put there. And so this enormous slab was put there. But it, when you go to visit this particular grave, says Campbell Morgan, um, you'll realize that this huge, enormous bit of granite is actually split in two. How could that be? Well, it seems to be that somewhere between the burial of this man um, and, the, and, and the placing of this giant piece of granite over the top of it, an acorn fell into the ground. Whether a bird dropped it, whether one of the grave diggers kicked it in, whether it blew in, no one knows. Hundreds of years earlier. And that granite slab that was there, sat on top of the grave, is now split in two. Because what has happened over the years is that that seed has grown and become a sapling and then become a tree. And bit by bit, it has pushed up and up and up and up through the granite sufficient pressure to split this thing clean in two. In the words of Campbell Morgan, he says, the living power of the acorn has split the granite. It's pushed right up through from the place of death. It has pushed death aside. And now there is nothing but this amazing, powerful oak. And Jesus says in his parable, the kingdom of God is like this. This insignificant, powerless seed that goes in. You know what? It even has the power to break through death itself. 
to split it clean in two. And it becomes a source of life to so many around that even the wild birds of the air can come and nestle in it. Many commentators think this is a reference based on Old Testament metaphor to the nations, to the outsiders, those outside the Jewish religion, coming in, coming into the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like, says Jesus. That's the shape of the kingdom of God. And of course, we see that in Jesus himself, right, who, who embodied the kingdom of God so clearly. His own story mirrors that of what we're just talking about. His humble beginnings, right, born in a stable to an unwed mother. Learned the trade of his father, a working class man, we might say. He became uh, an, you know, a teacher like from, a, from a fairly obscure beginnings. And, and largely he was rejected by many people as he taught and he died a lonely, pitiful death. How, how, how small that seed seems. How, how insignificant that whole thing is. How disappointing it was, as we see from Jesus' own disciples when he died on the cross. And yet, as we know, as we know in the gospel of the kingdom of God, he didn't stay dead. He, he was raised up. Amen? The, the grave could not hold him. He smashed through the grave. He smashed through death. He split it into two. And he rose and ascended. And he went to the right hand of God the Father as the victorious king over all. And he was given, it says, the name above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so too for his kingdom. And so too for you, if you are in that kingdom, as you enter his kingdom and as it enters you, you too will share in that life. You too will receive that power. That strength will spring up within you, pushing death aside, just as the mighty oak can crack a slab of granite in two. So let me encourage you together here at Foundation Church Belfast. This, this is a a word for you. The church, this church, but every church, it, it is the place on earth where we see the kingdom of God most clearly. It's, the, it's most obvious. This is the outpost of the kingdom of God right here, what we're doing. It's an embassy, right? This is not our homeland. Our homeland, we're on our way there. But this is an embassy. This is where the sowing takes place. This is where we talk of the gospel this is where healing happens. This is where the, the proclaiming of the kingdom happens. This is where lives are restored. Because the kingdom of God is coming among us. This is a training center that you may be trained up and equipped to go out on mission with the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. And so when the kingdom of God comes among us as it is, it begins with small beginnings. So let, let's, let's embrace our small beginnings. Let's be thankful for our small beginnings. But allow our small beginnings to stir hope in you. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. There is more to come, brothers and sisters. We pray, don't we, when we say the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. That's what we're asking. More of you, Lord. More of your kingdom among us. And so as the seeds are planted every Sunday and as we gather, as we continue to sow in faith, as we're trusting God to cultivate and grow his kingdom, it shall grow among us. Of that we can hope. 
Allow this to stir you. Brothers and sisters, we pray, thy will be done. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's pray.